we'd study the book of Peter for a little bit. So we'll start in 1 Peter and just see how the Lord leads us in these studies. And, uh, and uh, this will be a good ground to uh, start in, all right? So we're going to tackle 1 Peter chapter 1. And um, you got your Bibles with you tonight? Say amen. All right, it's good to hear that. Good to carry the Word of God around, man. Um, I want to uh, I want to give you a little background on before we get started in the book. I mean, most of you know Peter, and the thing I like about Peter is he was a man's man, and Peter was kind of like me, open mouth, insert foot, and. Uh, you know, and he was always getting caught out saying stuff, you know, think, speaking before he thought, you know, or he's just really an aggressive type of personality and he really meant well, but sometimes he didn't really have, you know, total understanding or he would say, you know, he would just kind of speak before he thought type of thing. And, um, but the Lord, if you, if you study the Gospels out, you see the way the Lord, um, Jesus handled Peter. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, wonderful story of how, how his relationship with the Lord. And, and it reminds me a lot of how the Lord um, is tender towards me and, and, and all of us. And I'm sure you can agree with that. So, um, so let's start off first looking at how it all began with Peter. So we'll look into... Um, the calling of Peter, which I like to call Peter's call. We can find that in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. <clears throat> Mark chapter 1, verse 16. You guys taping okay back there, Barry? Yep. All right, brother. Thank you. So where it all began with Peter, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Say amen when you're there. Amen. We're just going to do a quick little... Uh, biography of Peter's life here real fast just so you can get to know the man a little bit before we start reading his letters um, Matthew or Mark chapter 1 verse 16 and this is this this account is in all of the gospels by the way in Matthew Mark Luke and John and it says in verse 16 now as he walked by the sea of Galilee talking about Jesus here he saw Simon and Andrew his brother Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Straight away. So obviously Peter was a fisherman. He was a working man. He had a brother named Andrew. They had a fishing boat, comp a fishing company. And, um, and Jesus saw him and he said, follow me. And he changed their profession instantly. And he said, I'm going to make you, instead of catching fish, you're going to catch what? Men for the kingdom of God. And you'll see that the Lord, when you have an encounter with God, he has a way of changing things. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God changes things. God changes things. He changes things. Not only did he change Peter's... Uh, he not only changes profession, but we'll see that he changed his name, changed his life, did all kinds of change. All right. So that is Peter's. Uh, that's when Peter first got the call. Um, now, let's look at Peter's confession. Matthew chapter 16. And Peter must have been a big, burly guy. I kind of picture him as, a, as kind of a big guy. Um, of course, how many have ever, what's that one Jesus film we've been watching, honey? The Chosen. The Chosen. Of course, Peter in that, he's kind of got short, short guy syndrome in that film, which is kind of neat because he's kind of a short guy, really small in stature, but, you know, frisky and, and, you know, he doesn't let nobody's, you know, step on his friends or step on his family. But he's, I kind of, he's got little people syndrome, man, because he's just real like a, a little bulldog, man, in that one. But most of the films I've seen, I picture uh, Peter as kind of a burly big guy. Um, but anyway, 
so he was kind of the leader of the group. And in Matthew 16, though, we see that it wasn't just according to the flesh. Go with me, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. This is what I like to call Peter's confession. And it says, say amen if you're there. All right, so Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say that I am? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And you know, right there, the Lord puts his finger on an incredible truth. Who do you say Jesus is? Not who does your mom say Jesus is, or who does your dad say Jesus is, or who does your grandma or your grandpa say Jesus is, or who does your pastor say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? And so Simon says, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And look what Jesus' response was. So he said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah. This was Peter's first name. This was his name before God, Jesus changed it, or... And he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So nobody came up or whispered a secret into Peter's ear. Peter had a revelation by the Holy Spirit Amen. from the Father who Jesus was. Amen? Amen? And you know, this is exactly what our loved ones need, your neighbors, your colleagues, every single person that we come in contact with that we're praying to get saved. It's not enough for them to hear what you say, but they have to have a revelation by the Spirit that tells them who Jesus is. Because the Bible tells us that men are drawn into salvation by Him. It's the goodness of God that draws men. The Father does the leading. The Father draws the... He draws in. We just are newsboys. We just spread the word. We just witness. But you should never take it upon yourself that it's your responsibility. No. You just be obedient to share. And he gives the word. Amen? And so, just like he did here to Peter. And so... Look what verse 18 says. And I say also unto thee that you are Peter. All right? So he first called him Simon, but then he says, And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So a couple of things were happening there. Peter, when Jesus said, I say unto you that you are Peter, The Greek there is little rock, all right? So he says, I call you Peter or little stone, all right? But he says, but upon this rock, so I call you little stone, but upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So Peter means little stone, but then when he said rock, he's talking about Petra or great stone, or great foundation, all right? Great rock. As a matter of fact, Petra is the, is the stone fortress that they have in Israel, in, in, in the Jordan, yeah? That's, it's, it's called Petra, and it's a big stone fortified um, refugee place where they say that in the, when we talked about, remember we talked about the other week when the Antichrist persecutes the Jews in the tribulation, that that is where they'll run for cover into the rock, amen? Before the rock comes down and saves them, amen? 
The same rock, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Daniel, but it's interesting that when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of the statue made of four precious metals, that at the end of his dream, he saw a great stone that was not cut with hands that came out of heaven and hit the statue on the toes and crumbled the statue. All right? And that rock is speaking of the Christ, the rock, this rock, the same rock that Jesus is talking about upon this rock, I will build my church. Amen? Amen. So, and it's the first time here in our Bibles that the word church is mentioned. Now, the word church isn't really mentioned a whole lot of times in the Bible. But the church is just simply means called out. Called out to assemble. When God called Israel out of Egypt to, and they assembled in the wilderness, that was an assembly. That was, an, in the Greek, it's an ecclesia. That was a, a separation or to be called out and assembled together. That's why we are assembled here tonight. That's why we assemble on Sunday. Not because it's religion, but we're being obedient to what God has called us to do. God has called us to come out from the world and assemble ourselves together to be separate. That's what we do when we come together, and that's why it's called the church. The church is not the building. The church is just a convenient place to keep the rain off of our head and keep us warm in the winter and cool in the summer, amen? But you can have church without a structure. All right. The church is the people that come out and assemble together. Come out of where? Come out of the world and come together. Like Pastor was saying tonight, this is a time just to get away from the world. Take a breather for a minute, you know, because it's hell out there. Amen. It's bad. Now, the. And the other reason why we come together like this is because we are, in a sense, gathering together in the hope that when Jesus Christ comes back for the church, he will then assemble us or gather us up out of the earth, along with our brothers and sisters who are asleep in the Lord, and we will all be gathered together to meet the Lord in the air. And that is an ecclesia. That is a called out. You know, that literally is what people say, well, I have never heard the word rapture in the Bible before. Well, you're not going to find it in the Bible because rapture is a Latin word. Rapture is the word that they translated in the Vulgate from catch out or to catch away, all right? Or to assemble out is where we get the word, and that's why we call it the rapture. But really, the rapture is just a catching away of the saints to meet the Lord in the air. And we will have a giant church service when the Lord comes and gathers up all of his saints. Can you imagine singing how great is our God with the Apostle Paul standing next to you? That's going to happen. There are going to be saints gathered together from generation from generation, from generation, from generation, all gathered together in one giant church assembly. And when we come together as a church, we're kind of, in a sense, prophetically pointing to the future when one day the Lord will gather us up all together with everybody and we will do this with him forever. Amen? So it's a very important thing. It's not a religious thing. It's a God thing. Amen. So that's what the that's what church means. So when people say are you going to church? Don't think are you going to a building? Think are you going to see your neighbor? The person next to you. That's why I say I'm here for you. I am literally here for you. Amen. Cuz we're the church. Praise God. So that was Peter's great confession where he was the first one to confess that Jesus was the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. Amen? Now, right after that, after Jesus um, 
realized he was the Messiah, we have Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. And that is in verse 1 of chapter 17. So just flip over a page. In chapter 17, verse 1, we have this amazing event. And it says, And after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, James and John, his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain apart. Now, you might have heard this before, but how many know Jesus commissioned the 70? He had 70 that he sent out. Then he had 12. But then Jesus also, out of the 12, had three. And, you know, when it comes to discipleship, you know, there's something, there's, there's a truth in that. You know, there's always going to be, you know, you, you, you know, you'll have the crowd. Jesus had the crowd, amen. How many know he had the crowd? And then he had his followers. And then he had 70 that he did. You know, I don't know how many was in the followers. But after that, he added whoever, whatever amount that was, okay, he took 70 of them out and gave them the power to heal, to cast out devils, to preach the kingdom. At, the, at Pentecost, we know there was at least 200 followers on the day of Pentecost that were there before the Holy Spirit fell. So, you know, but I don't know the number, but I know you'll always have a crowd, but you'll always have then the 70, and then you'll have the 12, and you'll have the three, amen? And wisdom is to figure out who fits where. Because you can spend a lot of your time ministering to people who are not getting it. And meanwhile, while you're spending all your energy and all the anointing is trying to go on this person over here who's not getting it, who's never going to get it, this person over here is being neglected, the person who God has really called you to disciple. And that is real wisdom to figure out who God has called you to disciple and who's, who he's not. And, you know, that's just... That kind of might seem like tough love, but, you know, we've only got a limited time and a limited amount of resource, don't we? And we've got to use our time wisely. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus took three to the mountain. And it says, and he was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses, Elijah, talking with him. And answered Peter and said, then this is what Peter said. All right, so there's Jesus. Then Jesus all of a sudden is, turns brighter than the sun. <laughs> Moses and Elijah turn up. And here's what this is like Peter with putting his foot in his mouth. He says, Peter answered and said, Jesus. Said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou will. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye who? Yeah. Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had, this is a powerful verse right here. Look at verse 8. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. No man save Jesus only, praise God. And that's the way it is. It's no man save Jesus only. It's only Jesus. We're living in a day and an age where they're trying to press us into a place where we start to accept that there's other things besides only Jesus. There's only Jesus. Amen. Amen. There is only Jesus. You know, people are saying, let us set up tabernacles for this. Let us set up tabernacles for this person. Let us give honor to this person. Let's honor you, Jesus, but let's honor this person here too. Let's honor Jesus. Let's honor Muhammad. Let's honor Hira Krishna. Let's, on, let's, let's honor this guy over here, the, uh, 
the guy that leads all the, the what's the guy called? Uh, the Beatles went and saw him in India. What do they call that guy? Hare Krishna. Huh? Yeah, that guy. You know, all these different guys. You know? Let's set up a tabernacle for them. You know, men try to mean well. But they miss it when they try to put Jesus on the same yep. level. Amen. You can't put Jesus on the same level. No, you cannot. Jesus is, it, there's a doctrine called the eminence of Christ. He is above all other things. That's right. There's nothing above him. That's right. And nothing shall ever be above him. Amen. And we as the church we have been given this precious promise, this responsibility to make sure that nothing around here in this church or out there tries to exalt itself above the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so Peter, he heard the, the audible voice of God speak from heaven. And said, this is my son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, this, this thing about Jesus being the son of God, this is not something that these guys kind of made up in a, in a corner somewhere. This is not some thing that they kind of brewed up down at the pub trying to figure out a new way to control people. No, this is God's idea. It's God's plan. It says, from before the foundations of the world, before God even made the heavens and the earth, God had already in his mind had planned to send his son to an earth that was not even created yet. Because you know why? Because God only created planet earth so that he could send his son. Planet Earth was only created, man was created so that the Son could come and reveal the love of God. You see, because there was a great rebellion in heaven where Lucifer tried to say, come follow me, I'll be the God around here because this God over here, he's a meanie and he doesn't want to do anything but control you. And you know what? A third, of the, a third of the host of heaven believed that numbskull. And they followed him and they were cast out of heaven. And God knew when he was going to send his son to the earth, he was going to show not only planet earth, but he was going to show the universe, the host of heaven, about the mercy of and the grace of God and his love. For God so loved the whole world, amen? Not only the world that we live in, but God so loved the whole world, everything, heaven and earth. God is love. And the whole purpose of us being here and why he came down is to reveal that love to, this, to, to, to us as people, but also to the host of heaven that are watching. That's why the Bible says there is a cloud of witnesses that watch how God deals with the affairs of men. It's mind-blowing. The mercy of God is mind-blowing to the angels in heaven. So, that was a long rabbit trail. But back to the text here. Peter, the reason why I'm bringing up the transfiguration, it's important here because Jesus, uh, Peter heard the audible voice of God and he saw Jesus in his glory, okay? So take note of that. That's important. We're going to see that in his letter later. All right, a couple more things here. Next, I want you to zoom in on... So this is amazing, isn't it? Peter was called... Peter had a revelation from the Father who Jesus was, that he was the Christ. And he was on a mountain and saw Jesus totally changed 
heard the voice of God. Moses and Elijah pop up. He says a few dumb words. All of a sudden, they disappear again. There's only Jesus. They're coming back down the hill. Jesus delivers a demon out of a boy. That all happened in the space of a few hours. Some wild stuff happening here in Peter's life. But Peter, in chapter 13 of the book of John, go there with me. John 13. John chapter 13, verse, um, verse 38. Say amen when you're there. John 13, 38. Amen. All right, so 13, 38. Um, let's start at verse 36. So Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where goest thou? And Jesus answered him, Where I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? For verily, verily, I say unto you, the cock shall not crow Till you have denied me thrice or three times. All right? So Peter was always doing stuff like this. You know? Peter was always sticking his foot in his mouth. He did it when Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem to give my life. They're going to crucify me. And Peter's like, no, no, you can't go to Jerusalem. You're not. And Jesus, get behind me, Satan. All right? You know, he said... You know, I must wash, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, he's like, Lord, you're not touching my feet. You're not washing my feet. He said, well, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, then you've got nothing to do with me. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. Well, then wash my whole body, wash everything. You know, he's like, no, you only need just your feet washed. So Peter was always kind of, you know, putting his foot in his mouth because he was so, he loved the Lord, man. But he would just say stuff. And here... He's wanting, he loves Jesus so much. He's like, doesn't want Jesus to go away. He's like, what do you mean I can't follow you? No one can stop me. I'll follow you anywhere. And the Lord's like, really, Peter? Because I'm telling you, before the, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny who I am. All right? So Jesus prophesies that in chapter 13. And then let's go over to uh, John 17. So then in John 17, verse 5, or verse 15, John 17, uh, is that right? That doesn't look right. 17, 15. That doesn't look right. Matthew 17, 1. That's probably a better reference. Matthew 17. Try that one out. I know that ain't right. Where am I at here? I'm lost. 17.15. I was sure it was there. What is the world here? 17.15. Huh. Okay. I got it. Um... 1815. John, thank you. John chapter 18, verse 15. All right, so it says here in verse 15 of chapter 18 of the book of John, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple which we assume is John, because John never referenced, self-referenced himself in his gospel here. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and he went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without or outside, and then went out the other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spoke Unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. 
And then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? So the woman that was keeping the door said, Hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And Peter said, I am not. And so the servants and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them, and he warmed himself. There's a hot tip for you. Never warm yourselves at the enemy's fire. Amen? (laughs) Now look at this. In verse 24. Now Ananias sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. And they said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. And then one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, all right? So this guy was, you know, he knew the guy that was back at the garden when they arrested Jesus. And Peter cut that guy's ear off, didn't he? And he's like, didn't I see you in the garden with him? (laughs) I mean, you know, you were there. You cut this guy's ear off. I saw you. Then Peter denied again. In another gospel, it actually says that Peter swore. He cussed. He used foul language. And boy, that just reminds me of when I used to visit my dad on summer vacation. I'd get back home, and I was always afraid my friends would leave me because I went to church, or I was a believer in Jesus. I was a coward until I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And so I was always afraid as a boy that my friends were going to leave me if I'd even mentioned Jesus. But they knew I went and seen my dad in the summer, and they knew my dad was a preacher. And so as soon as I got off the airplane, I'd get with my friends, and we'd go out playing. The first thing I'd do, man, is I'd just, I'd just hock up a big old cuss word. Just, just swear a big, long, foul cuss word just to kind of let them know where I stand, that I'm, all, you know, I'm, I'm one of them. It was awful. And I just always think of that when I see, when I think Peter did the same thing. He, he used foul language to identify with the world. That's why, whew, that's why Paul said as Christians, we shouldn't use foul language. Our conversation should be pure. Now I know there, when you first get saved and there's times, you know, as you go along, you know, it takes a while for the, you know, the cussing machine to be broken. But, you know, as a reality, though, the world cusses. The church should not be cussers. Because the church is to be called to be apart or separate from the world. And one of the ways we can show our separation from the world is to not talk like them. Amen. Amen? Amen. So Peter, because he was trying to hide himself in the world, he cussed. And said, I don't know that guy, blankety blank, blank, blank guy. So Peter denied him a third time. Verse 27, it says, and immediately the rooster crew, or he crowed. Every morning, man. Then what, two or three, what, how many days? So this was Friday night, so he had to hear that rooster on Saturday night. But praise God, he didn't have to hear that rooster on Sunday night, did he? When the, when the Lord rose, and we're going to get to that. So the Lord rose, and now that's the last thing I want to talk about is Peter's restoration. And we can see that in John chapter 21. John 21. Twenty-one verse fourteen, and um, it 
And there's an interesting uh, scripture. Where when Jesus was speaking. And he told him to go tell my disciples. He said, go tell my disciples and Peter. The Lord separated Peter from the disciples in that sentence. Now, there's two reasons he could have done that. One, he was making special emphasis, make sure you find Peter, okay? Or also, maybe because Peter denied Jesus, that he wasn't part of the disciples at this moment in time. Because he had denied the Lord. Because Jesus could have just said, go tell my disciples. But he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. All right. But how many know, praise God, the Lord leaves the 99 to go find the one. Amen. Amen. And John 21 is the Lord going to find that lost sheep. And so in verse 14... Um, we can start at verse 12. It says, Now Jesus said unto him, Come and dine. And none of the disciples did ask him, Where art thou? Knowing, or who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. All right? So, you know, they weren't going to ask him. They knew it was the Lord, but they were probably just dying to ask just to make sure they weren't seeing things. In verse 13, Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to them and fish likewise. In verse 14, and this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. All right? So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these, and I just imagine because they were fishing when Jesus called them in from the sh- to the shore. I could imagine Jesus picking at the fire and maybe pointing to the fish. In other words, remember what Jesus called him to be back in the beginning. He said, "Jesus called him. I'll make you fishers of men." So here Jesus is, Simon. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this job you're doing right now? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. And then verse 16, he said, The second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, you know that I love thee. And he said unto him, feed my sheep. And then he said unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And so when Peter realized that the Lord asked him three times to confirm his love, he probably remembered. Looking back at that fire, looking back at that gate, looking back at those times that he denied the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the Lord is like, restoring him, do you love me? And with each statement, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. That's one denial gone. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Second denial gone. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Third denial gone. You see, even the Lord here established repentance and forgiveness. So he even restored Peter back to the ministry that God called him. And you know, if you look at at the language that the Lord used here, he actually said, Peter, do you agape me? 
And Peter said, you know I phileo you. And he said, do you agape me? And he says, you know I phileo you, Lord. And then the Lord finally said, Peter, do you phileo me? And he's like, you know I do. You know I phileo you, Lord. In other words, we know the three, for those of you who may not know, agape is an unconditional love. It's the, it's the God kind of love. You have phileo, which is the um, brotherly love. And you have eros, which is an, an, an erotic love, a physical love. Okay. Now, it's interesting that Peter had only been able to say, I love you with a brotherly kind of love. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out at Pentecost. And the Bible says, how is the love of God? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You see, we don't have the capacity to agape each other without the Holy Ghost. We don't have the capacity to even agape our spouses or our children without the Holy Ghost. Only the Holy Ghost can put in our hearts the God kind of love. Amen? Amen. And so, so the Lord restored Peter. He made his confessions pure. And he says, Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Now for you that want to be in the ministry or that are in the ministry, what is the connection to feeding my sheep? Do you love me, Jesus said. Do you love me? You want to be used of God, all you got to do is love Jesus. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Take care of them. And we'll see later on that Peter is called to the lost sheep of Israel. And we're going to pick that up in his letters. So that's the restoration of Peter. So Peter is back in the church. He's back in the fold. He's restored He's full of the love of God. He he just had an encounter with God's mercy. And then we all know, we don't need to turn there. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost falls. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, with power from on high. Peter preaches up a storm. Chapter 2 and 3 is like his golden moment. I actually, I mean, a lot of people probably think that's Peter's, like that was his peak at chapters 2 and 3 in Acts. When he preached the sermon after the Holy Ghost fell. It was a powerful sermon. But you know, I, one of my favorite parts of Peter's ministry is chapter 10. When he went to Cornelius' house. Because Cornelius was a Gentile. And Jews were not supposed to be hanging around with Gentiles. But God gave him a vision. And basically said... Peter, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And so at that point, God had broken down the wall of partition that separated Jew and Gentile for the salvation that comes through the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter began to preach the name of Jesus, began to preach the resurrection And before he could even get finished with his sermon, Cornelius and his family were filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Jews that were standing there with Peter were like, what's happening here? What's happening here? We thought the Holy Ghost was only for us. But now we see the Holy Ghost has fallen on a Gentile heathen. And Peter looked around, he shrugged his shoulders, and he's like, they believed on the name of Jesus, they've been filled with the Holy Ghost, what prevents them from being baptized? So they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Peter goes down back to Jerusalem, and all the bigwigs in Jerusalem started giving him a hard time, because he had been in a Gentile's house preaching the gospel. 
And Peter's like, hey, 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 hold on a minute. First of all, I was hanging out with my buddy Simon the Tanner, having some Kool-Aid on the rooftop, and all of a sudden I had this dream, and God began to show me some things. So God started this whole thing, and he began to tell them what happened, and then they were like, mm, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. So, so that, was a, that was one of my favorite chapters with Peter in, in Acts. So that was kind of his ministry. So Peter was always into all kinds of stuff. So chapter 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. The elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter was at the tomb. Some of you have been to Israel, you've been to that tomb. And, you know, there's a debate if it's the real tomb or not. You know, my dad's been there and, you know, he said, man, he says, I felt the Holy Ghost. He says, I believe that was the tomb. You know, but that's neither here nor there. Peter stepped into the tomb and he saw the napkins folded. He saw the things that they, you know, wrapped around him. They saw that folded in a pile. Now, the people that tried to deny the resurrection of Jesus, they said that the disciples came and they stole the body, that they were grave robbers. They said that they stole it. Well, first of all, it was the tomb stone was rolled away. And it was a big tombstone. And even if it was a small enough stone that men could roll, the Pharisees are already asked the Romans to put guards on the door so that nobody would come and try to steal the body. But angels came, knocked the guards out, and rolled the stone themselves. And Jesus walked out. After, I guess it was him or maybe their angels. Maybe he had some, some you know, butlers that tidied the room after he left. Some angelic butlers. Whoever did it, somebody cleaned up the place and they folded all the garments on the bed. If that was grave robbers, they're in, they're out. They're not going to take the time to tidy up, to clean the room. They're just grabbing the body and going, man. So little things like that. But Peter was there. He looked in the room. And he saw what was happening. But it says John, when he looked in, the Holy Ghost uses two words there. It says Peter saw, but then John, when he looked in, it says John perceived. See, Peter just saw the surface. Wow, there's no body here. Folded napkins. But when John looked in, he perceived. The Lord has risen as he said he would. The Lord has risen. 
He said he was going to rise. He did rise. Peter, he's been telling us for three years he's going to rise again. Look, he has risen. So Peter was there. He knows our gospel, the power of our gospel, the power of what we believe in as a church, as believers of Almighty God, is the resurrection. That Jesus was raised from the dead. There is nobody on planet earth that has ever been raised from the dead. All the religious leaders that have come and gone, they're all in the grave. Only Jesus is the one that has been raised from the dead. Only Jesus. And that is what we put, that's what we hang our hope on. That's everything we hope for. We hang it on that. Yes, I am forgiven. I'm glad my sins are forgiven. I'm I'm free of my sin. I've been forgiven of my sin. I no longer have to walk in guilt and shame. But that's not really where I hang my hat on. I hang my hat on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, when Jesus said, hey, I go to prepare a place for you. This is what he said before he was crucified. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm not just telling you this to sound cute. That means I'm going to come back and bring you back to where I am. And that's the Christian hope. That's what we're hoping for. We're hoping for the Lord to come back. And I can only say to you tonight, are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord? Have you been warming yourself at the enemy's camp? Do you need to have a heart-to-heart with Jesus? Do you need to ask the Lord? Do you need to tell him that you love him? Do you need to confess and say, I'm not going to deny you anymore? You know, I had to have a heart-to-heart with the Lord. You know, when I, when I first, when I was in my 20s, I said, I can't live like this anymore. I can't continue to act like I love Jesus, but then when I get around the world, pretend like I don't know him. Pretend that he isn't real or that I don't have a relationship with him. You know, you have to get real. You gotta get real, you gotta get Jesus. Amen, you gotta get righteousness, you gotta get righteous, you gotta get everlasting life. You gotta get real. All right, so I hope you got something out of that tonight. Be real with Jesus, man. And he'll be real with you. He doesn't lie. He's never lied. Praise God. And so we'll get into the meat of this chapter next week. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor.